0: River in the rain Sometimes at night you look like a long white train Why do you wait?
1: Bob Howdy, and welcome to Ernest Goes to Podcast, the most insanely comprehensive account of the life and times of beloved American icon Ernest P. Worrell. This is episode 18, the Jim Barney edition. I'm your host, Aaron, and this is my lovely co-host, David.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: And joining us for episode 18, the very special Jim Barney edition, is our friend Justin Lloyd. Welcome to the podcast, Justin.
3: Thank you, Aaron. Hello, everybody.
1: Thanks for being with us today. Thanks yeah. for having us.
2: Yeah, both.
1: So we are currently in Kentucky.
2: Yeah, this is the first on-the-road episode of uh, Ernest Ernest Goes to Podcast. Ernest Goes to Podcast
1: goes on the road to podcast.
2: That's accurate.
1: Justin is, of course, the author of the book we constantly mention.
2: I don't don't remember us ever talking about it. (laughs) The
1: Importance of Being Earnest, The Life of Actor Jim Varney, stuff Vern doesn't even know.
2: Available on Amazon. And Kindle. iTunes. Oh, I didn't know that. You get books on iTunes. Uh, what is this? The telephone? About everything but audio cassette, I think maybe.
1: Not yet. <laughs> you should read it.
2: I was gonna say there's True. no there's no book on tape of this, right? I didn't I didn't not, miss that. Not not yet. Yeah. Uh,
1: Justin, yes. I feel like we took up the same duties on like opposite sides of the Jim Varney spectrum. Mm. You could say that. We we've taken on the task of analyzing and like laying out the entire career of Ernest as a yes. character, and you took on the more difficult task of of making a comprehensive overview of the life of your uncle, Jim Barney. Yes, I feel like we are like
3: we are becoming a superpower of some yeah. degree. I feel
1: like we're brothers in arms. Yes. Like we we both <laughs> we both have our I responsibilities.
3: Mean, it feels like at this moment we could be like crossing the streams. <laughs> That's yeah. what I feel and like
1: we're totally
2: doing. Well, I'm picturing just, the the, uh, the Jim Varney and Ernest Venn diagram that we're like yes. talking
1: about. Yeah, like we we always talk about. There's a Venn diagram where it's like stuff that is Ernest and stuff that is Jim Varney, and there's some overlap between the two.
2: Shakespeare acting.
1: Shakespeare acting coin tricks
2: yeah
1: (laughs) ham bone and we're right in the center of that diagram so it's i'm very happy to be here in lexington i'm very glad you decided to join us
3: yes well you're in my home so i guess it's kind of i have no we've
1: joined you yes
3: you joined me i've just remained at my home and
1: thanks for sitting here and waiting We are in a veritable, right now, listeners, we are in a veritable Jim Varney museum. My brain's exploding, has exploded many times. We're
2: still picking up the pieces. like,
1: there's Jim Varney's Emmy. You can't see it.
2: I can see it. It's looking at you.
1: There's the clean sweep jersey.
2: I'm staring at a promotional, this is a sentence I say often, I'm staring at a promotional paddle for Ernest Goes to Camp, summer 1986, because that's a thing you give out at like the yes. local uh, movie theater.
1: It's I'm staring at that weird 80s ball. Lightning ball. Lightning that ball he that he gave you for Christmas at one point, or was yes. it your birthday? Christmas. <laughs> it's yes. nice.
3: It is. It's a Dr. Otto-themed um, oh, yeah. Christmas gift.
1: So our research for Ernest Goes to Podcast, if you can call it that, is mainly we watch a movie. And then we unload the entire contents of our brain in regards to that movie. It's accurate, but you you had to do like research, yes, and yeah, traveling, you could call it, that, and yes. investigation. <laughs> yeah, You're like yes. the journalist. If anyone well, <laughs> is a research person, uh, that would be you.
3: Professional internet surfer.
1: Why did cause... you write it? <laughs> no, just like that's for, a very no why though.
3: Uh, just a lot for the earnest. A lot of it was for the earnest fans and. Their love for the character. I mean, that was one of my main demographics, I guess is a good word that really I think missed him and were looking for some something else
1: I don't know if it is it like a 30 year or maybe it's a 20 year rule there's a 20 year like nostalgia rule that people okay. talk about and seems like things tend to resurface 20 years later right. and people become extremely nostalgic for it and that's kind of the, one of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast like I knew I wanted to do an earnest podcast because I thought he was very underrated and I thought Jim Barney as a performer was really underrated mm-hmm. but I also knew that somebody would do it I didn't think I was the only person that would want to do an earnest podcast i thought i really want to do it it's going to happen and i want to be the first one to do it well like, it's,
2: it's like every generation kind of yeah and i mean i feel like something like you know back to the future is like a great example of that where it's like you have this nostalgia for the 50s in the mm-hmm. 80s that movie is the the microcosm of that whole idea yeah i think it's how when you talk about t- about 20 years is when you become a parent and you
3: are introducing this to your children oh, yeah. and then oh, that yeah. way it's you
1: know. That's true. So that's I felt probably
3: part of it, I would say, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Did
1: you feel like you started seeing more renewed interest?
3: Yes. I, th- I mean, I saw a lot of adults that were, you know, reminiscing about their childhood yeah. love for the character and and were really able to reflect on what the character meant to them in their life and how important, really important it was to them as a child. And uh, that meant a lot to me. And I really, it really made me want to just put together sub- something very substantial that they could really sink their teeth into. And, um, I'm glad I was able to do that.
1: And it's funny, I I told somebody uh, about this podcast we did and they were like, so you've taken up Jim Varney's cause, basically. Well, I kind of,
2: it's like, it's, it's sort of like a responsibility almost. Yeah,
1: like it feel. I felt like I have a responsibility because I, I felt I like they could the do character, this justice. Yes, I could yeah. do service to this character that otherwise might be, you know, somebody could mishandle this. Sure. I didn't yeah. want it to be. I, I need
2: to do this before someone else does it wrong,
3: right? Yeah, yeah and I don't exactly. want to say
1: wrong, but I just felt like I know I can do this well. Sure. And I want it to be done the best if it's going to be done.
3: Sure. And, and I, mean, I feel
1: like that's, that's... That's kind of how I felt. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I felt
3: like there's not... I mean, certain things I know I can do, some things I can't. You know? Well, yeah, because you so, have
1: the you have the bridge of being a and family a relative. Right. You can find out things that we couldn't if we'd tried.
3: Or maybe anybody else. It, it just depends. I, but yeah, I had the bridge of being a family member. And then I was just crazy enough to be able to do research <laughs> for like you six have years. You to be
1: related and insane. And be insane. crazy. And
3: <laughs> in, in, with Jim Varney, that usually would include both. If you're related to him, you are a little... A little crazy, so <laughs>
2: well. But also, we were you know we were talking before the podcast, and you sort of expressed similar ideas about like that kind of responsibility. It's mm-hmm. like you knew that people had a fondness for this character and for the performer behind it, and you felt like you had not to put words in your mouth, but like yeah. a unique position to sort right. of kind of reconcile those two sides of it. Like, okay, right. we know who the the character is, and we know who the man is, and sort of where do they again that Venn diagram? Where do they overlap?
1: Well, I felt like yes, yeah, somebody's going to do this at some point, but it was probably the opposite for you. That's like if I don't,
2: if
3: I don't do it, maybe nobody else will. Yeah. I really felt felt like that. I started writing the book in 2008, and he'd been dead for eight years. And I felt like, hey, and of course, nobody working with him or around him was getting any younger either. Sure, yeah, And true. that certain information could could pass along with these people at some point.
1: You're right. There's like a ticking and, clock.
3: Yeah. And so, um, and I was telling you all too, about the videos I was seeing on YouTube and the comments people were making, and they were very touching, and they, they meant a lot to me. And I felt like, I have all this knowledge, and I know there's still more I could find out, but I felt like almost kind of guilty that I should be able to share this with them in some, some form yeah. uh, or fashion. And so it turned out to be the book was the perfect kind of vehicle to do that in. Thank you so, for writing <laughs> it. Thank, yeah.
2: Thank you.
1: So I've got it here. We're going to have you sign these, by the way. Um, <laughs> do you
3: have,
2: like, cash or, like, <laughs> Yeah, what's your, what's your autograph, free? Well, before, before you get to that, I, I would like to ask a question because sure. – you have the unique position again of knowing Jim Varney the person. Yes, oh, that's right. um, but one thing <laughs> one thing that we always ask our guests on the show is, "What was your first knowledge of Ernest the character?" That's true. And I think your perspective again is a unique one here. So I'm curious about even going back to your childhood. Like, yeah. I'm assuming you knew who Jim Varney was before you knew who Ernest was, but maybe not. Yes,
3: it's so it's that is very hard because. He didn't live here. He lived in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And so we we saw him quite a bit, though, still, I mean, around holidays and so forth. So I'm trying to remember when I first saw him in a commercial, I was probably nine years old, maybe. And so nine or 10. And I just remember it being, you know, really neat to see your uncle on TV and these kind of little funny ads. And, you know, it's so long ago right now for me, I don't really remember any specific feelings that I had. I do remember with the family album that was shortly thereafter when I know I was about 12.
1: We love family
3: albums. And just to be clear,
2: you're talking about, hey, Vern, is my family album, not just
0: like a book that you had around the (laughs) house. Right, 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 (laughs) right.
3: And and I remember then that like, oh, my goodness, you know, he has this great talent, you know. Say, he's pretty good. (laughs) I mean, right, that it was like, who are all these characters and where did this come from? And that was – just kind of mind blowing for me. I had an all new respect for him. I believe at that point, even oh, even though I enjoyed the commercials and, Uncle Jim and, is the, cool. and the pop, you know, and you know, he was popular around Lexington at that point with the convenient commercials. But yeah, that was really something when I saw that. Sweet
1: oh, family so. album. So I've taken copious notes on this book. I don't know what you left out, but it's it's amazingly detailed. And um, the entire time before Ernest showed up. I right, felt right. Like, like it's like Jim Varney is in children's theater, Jim Varney is in the barter theater in Virginia, Jim Varney is um, in the
3: womb. <laughs> in
1: the womb. <laughs> I feel like all these places like I feel like Ertis was like lurking around a corner, right, right, like yeah. like <laughs> speaking yes. sinisterly, like he's a yeah, comin'. He's a coming. Yeah, it's like
2: this suspense of like the Ninja Turtles movie where they just see like just like a, then... a blur and you're like, they're coming. They're going to be here soon.
3: And then on page 100, you have to insert like $20 to keep going and to see (laughs) Ernest.
1: Actually, I'm going to see what happens on page 100. Beach Bend. That is funny. That
2: is funny. Curious about what Beach Bend is? You'll have to purchase the book. (laughs) Yes, add another. So
1: I've said before that that Jim Barney always felt like a... Sort of this untouchable like mystery. Mm. I feel like I know Ernest very, very well from like examining every single thing he's said and done. Well, sure. Jim Barney is more of like.
2: He's like an enigma.
1: Yeah. Like you can't really get there. Like in the way that like Ernest is more real to me, that he's more solid. Right. Then Jim Barney's like, I hear things about him, but it's not as direct an experience. Is it like the opposite for you? Is Ernest, like, at all real to you?
3: Not really. It's ironic the way you say that, too, how when you talk about, you know, being typecast, they think you are that person, and you're saying kind of the opposite, that you see them so separately, like... I do. Yeah. And, I I mean, he was, and he really wasn't like Ernest at all. I mean, if you met him in person, you would never think about... But there are some similarities. But, yeah, he... I I talk about it a little bit in the book about... Because I am a Superman fan, about Clark Kent and, and Superman, and there's not oh. much difference in the outfit, right? He just puts on a pair of yeah. glasses and the sport coat, and he's Clark Kent. But it's everything else, like the posture mm-hmm. and the clumsiness. Mm-hmm. And that's – like Jim Varney is like – he's like Superman. He's like the perfect posture, and he's Did he? so self-assured, and he's, he's very fluid in his movements, and – and I thought that was really kind of a good analysis, a good analogy. It was kind of like that, just little things, just in his mannerisms and so forth. And even though it's not the the costume isn't a whole lot different, you you know, you see his face and all that stuff. And
1: interesting. Yeah, I feel like I want to get into like some of the details of the book. Yeah. There is stuff that as as different as they were, and I can see just from like my limited, you know, exposure to like footage of Jim Barney just being Jim Barney, mm-hmm. I can tell that they're very different. But there are things like we said. There's we have this Venn diagram of our head where there's a right. little section where they overlap, mm-hmm. and yeah. I kept having these moments reading your book where it was like, oh, that's. Like Ernest, like you talk about him like dressing as an old lady to pass out candy. I immediately <laughs> that- thought of Auntie Nelda. Yeah. Like, there's little hits, like, here and there is little like shades of like, mm-hmm. he's a coming. These yes. kids, these kids remind me of my son Jaime.
3: That was that was a story that my mom told me that it was kind of hard to believe that the, the, the <laughs> kids. It- the kids thought that this was a really, that there was a real old lady, and oh, wait, were, really? she could hear them like in the front on her front lawn. Like, there's an old lady <laughs> passing out candy. That's incredible, and, oh and it's kind of it is kind of hard to believe, but I, I mean,
1: that's crazy. Yeah, it is. David, see if you can see if you can pass yourself off as an old lady. This Halloween, I mean, I'll
2: give it a try.
3: Yeah,
1: see if the kids buy it. Oh, that's amazing! As long as and you he, he would have been like a teenager, right?
2: I think
3: so. I mean, that's I, great. I think it was about the time. Now, what he teenager,
1: was... teenage boy, dresses up as an old lady?
0: Right, for... yeah. it takes a special kind. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um, what I love about this book is that it, as much of a mystery as Jim Barney is to me, it did give me a, a much clearer picture of who he was. Okay. I feel like I have a better idea. He seems as much of a character in his own right mm-hmm. as Ernest was. A completely different character right. and um, real. It's an important distinction to make. Which is an yes. important distinction to make. But like um, all these little things like the fact that he, he named his home Pluvio. He said that he thought maybe it was haunted. Mm-hmm. He was really into jewelry. He was like obsessed with watches yes. and knives. Yes, He would always be giving out watches. Mm-hmm. Is that like wh- what was the deal with the watches?
3: He just loved he loved like vintage watches. He was He was really uh, impressed with craftsmanship of, okay. of, of watches and anything that was well made like that. any jewelry or, or knives, anything that was really well crafted. And he loved finding vintage pieces of of jewelry and, you know, rediscovering them, you know, polishing them up and
1: um, bringing them
2: back to life. And yeah, he he loved old
3: antique stuff like that.
1: I relate to that.
2: Well, seeing the value in old things that people might otherwise overlook. What a concept (laughs) Yeah, I do relate
1: to that. Another sense I got from it, this might also fit into the, like, the Jim Varney-Ernest Venn diagram, is that Mm -hmm. I think they both have the tendency to... I think we said this. They both had the tendency to self-mythologize.
2: Oh, the lore, yeah,
3: yes.
1: like t- spin tales, yes. like g- tell lore about themselves.
3: Yes, I'm not sure there were things that he would say to me exactly. Maybe stuff that my mom told me that she would know bits and pieces of, and I found out later that they weren't exactly true. <laughs> Um, Uh, I know there was a lot of things over the years that through talking to this his old friend and manager, Joe Lyles, mm -hmm. he was able just to cut through any of that stuff and pretty much give me the straight dope on everything. Things that happened so long ago. And and I'm trying to think of things specific.
1: But it's like he's right been now. to so many yeah. places.
3: Right. Right. Like right. he traveled around was...
1: so much as an right. actor. And then you could tell all kinds of stories about this is who I met. This is what I did. Right. That night. Exactly. He had a tendency to just tell stories about himself. Mm-hmm. Maybe some are embellished. Maybe some weren't. Right. But I feel like. Jim Barney was often I see this said a lot about him he was often holding court somewhere
3: he was <laughs>
1: just telling people stories
3: and everything else and teaching them things or doing imitations of people or I mean he was always just a one-man show when he was at our house and it was just unbelievable a walking I mean, one-man show yeah it was just like electric, you know, it was unbelievable.
1: This sounds like the funnest fun uncle.
3: Sure. I mean it was. I mean it was like it was an event. It really kind of was. Yeah, oh, that's
1: awesome. Yeah, and he was. Just, <laughs> I think you can claim cool. it. You have the funnest fun uncle.
3: And I tell people like it's funny that you know he's known for earnest mostly, but he was like the like the coolest customer <laughs> that you've ever met. He was just. So original in himself, yeah. and it made a big imprint on me when I was a, a young child and, and growing up, and just to know that you know you can invent your own brand of cool, you
2: know that kind of thing. Oh yeah, sure. I mean you and, were telling us so earlier the story of going to the mart in the Delorean. <laughs> I
3: was gonna yes. say
1: you got to ride in the Delorean. Yes, the Jim Barney owned a Delorean. Great
3: Scott! <laughs> yes, I think I mentioned that in the book and. And yeah, he's like, I needed to go out and get some cigarettes or something. And so we went up to the local gas station. And it was funny because it was the pilot gas station. And it was right next to the convenient food mart. (laughs) To be fair, it it was closer by like (laughs) a half a block. I don't even know. I remember him getting gas. We pulled up to the pumps and he... Opens both doors. <laughs>
0: Shh, I, don't I, have a why, I don't know
3: why he had opened my door, and then he has classical music is blaring, you know, from a Delorean, and so like of course everybody's looking at us, and it was
1: see that's one was of those, surreal. That's one of those things I wouldn't like. I wouldn't have pictured him like being a big listener well, of classical music because yeah. I think of him. I kind of relate him to country music, right? But he was a big fan of classical music.
3: Yes, and it was funny. I was actually got into a conversation on Twitter recently about with some of the guys that were in the Ernest Ghost to Camp movie.
0: Right, right,
3: and they were talking about he was into is it v- Vivaldi Four Seasons Four Seasons kind of thing? Yeah, oh man, and it was like you know playing that for them and and stuff. And oh, that's that, cool. That, yes. was, that was one of their memories of Jim Varney. I was, do remember was Vivaldi.
1: That the yeah, it was. I think it was the guy that played um, Vargas.
3: Yeah, which Vargas. It, yeah, that was him. Yeah,
1: and, yeah. He said that he remembers him conducting, yeah. like to classical music, right. This, which was right really around that awesome. same time. That
3: was right around the same time of my Delorean trip. It was. <laughs> And you Life's could really call one. it a trip, right? That's crazy. It was a trip. It was a car out of time.
1: Oh, man.
3: Yeah. And I think about it, it's funny. You know, I'm a movie geek, but I think about it how it's funny that, you know, Leia Thompson was in Beverly Hillbillies with Jim Barnes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she's somehow linked. They dance. So she's somehow linked to two of the most uh, notorious DeLoreans in <laughs>
1: What? He had you a know, notorious DeLorean. Well, it not went notorious. speeding down Tennessee. People were like, what he, just I happened? I think he had the
3: second, maybe most popular DeLorean ever. I don't
1: <laughs> know. Second most dangerous DeLorean. Well, that yes. <laughs> Didn't he have a bumper sticker that was like, as a matter of fact, I do own the road?
3: Yes. He had a couple of <laughs> he had a couple of cars. One was a Dodge Conquest, which was kind of ahead of its Is time. Is that one a
1: space car too?
3: It was kind of crazy. It looked normal, but then it had like electronic voice you know,
1: Oh, it's so like a night rider. Oh, shit, yeah.
3: Yeah, kind of, yeah.
1: Okay. And
3: it was
2: kind of
1: before its time. <laughs> I remember. Jim,
2: I will activate to the turbo.
3: Boost. <laughs> yes.
1: I Hello. think I remember some. <laughs> Interview where he said that he doesn't use the Delorean as much because he gets into trouble. I mean, it does. Either. It does
2: seem to yeah. let's say draw attention to itself. I would say
1: so. Like his interests, let's list them. Like that's classical music. Yes, we got wives, uh, wives,
0: wives. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 complated, I completed.
1: I completed watches and knives. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs>
3: We just lost David. It was to a, be
1: clear. Uh, oh, no. I mean, to be fair, he did have two wives. He did
2: have two, yes.
1: But um, <laughs> Sorry, you're just making me think of the Simpsons. I mean, a wives. I thought, I thought you
2: were talking about a guy who had two knives. I got to tell you, this is pretty <laughs> terrific.
1: Okay, so the interest. Wives, knives, yes, watches. Watches. Classical music. Guns. Space cars. Cars of the future. Guns, of course. Guns, he was yes. a, He was really into hunting. Yes, I mean that's where the Buckmasters yes misadventures of Bubba (laughs) misadventures of Bubba videos come from. Three
2: volume collection.
1: I don't think we'll get to covering them because Ernest isn't in them, but his cousin, his closely related cousin,
2: spiritual relative, I would
0: say.
1: Yeah. So Jim Barney made a bunch of children's safety videos about hunting. Yes. I feel like we called them unsafety videos because it was just like Bubba doing all the wrong things.
3: Well, it was. It was. But then, but then it had Jim Barney and then Jim Barney
1: Bubba's identity. Cousin, he would right. ship in. And he'd be like, "Here's why that was a bad idea." Well,
2: my favorite thing about those videos is just it's Jim Varney. He'll introduce the segment with Bubba, yep. who's also played by Jim Varney, and yes. then Bubba will do whatever mistake or blunder, kind of what not to do example. Yeah, and then it'll cut back to Jim, and he's just like, "Yeah," and then like he's delighted by the clip of himself that we just saw.
1: There was one where he was real tickled. Like at the, end, he comes That's back. That's the goes, one I'm thinking of, Bubba.
2: What won't he do?
1: Well, those videos alarm me because the amount of times that a gun is pointed directly at Jim Varney's face. Like it doesn't Bubba tends to make a lot of mistakes where he just looks directly into the barrel of a gun or yes. points at his head.
0: You think I'd be fool enough to pull a loaded gun through a fence with me?
1: Was he an accomplished hunter?
3: That was that's a good question. <laughs> And I think I remember asking Jackie Bushman. They had like a a yearly uh, kind of event there. And they did various um, like hatchet throwing. And I think he won an award one year for hatchet throwing.
0: Of
1: course he did.
3: Yes. Only the most marketable skills. (laughs) Yes. Coin dexterity tricks. That almost sounds like right. It would have ended up on his early. uh, Yeah.
1: Oh, we have to talk about the resume. Okay. We're going to do that. Okay. Right. Can we talk about this resume? (laughs) So...
2: Is resume the right word? It's almost like... It is. It's a like bag of tricks, is almost <laughs> what I would call it. Felix the cat, sort of way. We've
1: definitely, you've definitely referred to Jim Varney's bag of tricks. Like we've talked yeah. about. It's weird. Like we Juggling. were talking about. Uh, Ernest goes to Africa. He's doing all these yo-yo tricks. And our guest on the episode, Dan, he described Jim Varney's like performance style as like a fun uncle. It's like, oh, these kind of like fun uncle tricks. (laughs) (laughs) It's like apt. You would relate to that the most I think out of all of us. Okay, the the resume, Hatchet Throne isn't even on there. Well, first of all- um, I feel like it should be.
2: Should we preface this by saying like this was from-
1: This is from your book.
2: Yes. People can
1: buy your book. And read this resume. But it's also, chock full, man.
2: Sorry, but also, it's from like the William Morris Agency. Is that right? What did it say?
0: Yeah, this is
1: attached to the biography of okay. at, 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 at okay. the William Morris Agency. Okay. The accent list. This is what right. I wanted to find out for Ernest. I said like, if Ernest had a resume, there would be like twenty accents on it. Yeah. Yes. This is. I'm gonna count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, these are two dialects, so and I'm then, gonna say twelve. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17.
3: <laughs> and then like, yeah, the English get- uh...
1: British gets divided into five yeah. dialects. Yes. So he could actually differentiate between British dialects?
2: Yes, I
3: know. And
1: then two Scottish, Edinburgh and Glasgow.
2: Isn't there also a list of like the actors he could
1: impersonate? Yes, there's a, a list of impressions that, that, That's right like a whole it. separate thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: And I mean, that
3: still wouldn't be all of them, but some of his mm-hmm. favorites-
1: Richard Burton, Peter O'Toole, Humphrey Bogart, Paul Lind, John Wayne. I feel like Paul Lind is the voice he does like for the dumb and for like almost like Bunny Jeanette is a little mm. bit Paul Lind too. But heard, I, yeah,
2: I think we brought that up in another the episode. Accents,
1: he says he can do a Puerto Rican accent. I would have loved to have heard it. <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, oh,
3: I wouldn't put it past him to do. I, I appreciate
1: mean. that he. It, there's a distinction there. It also says a Mexican accent. So I appreciate yeah. that there's a distinction between Mexican and Puerto Rican yes. accent. Yeah. He did uh, live in Spanish Harlem for a short time.
3: Yes. So I don't know where all of those- A
1: Puerto Rican person could have explained to him. I mean, that's a really specific accent. Mm-hmm. But you know- Well,
2: that's akin to the different uh, British dialects. I'm curious.
1: Yes. Okay, the, spe- the special skills.
2: Special, they were special
3: too. I feel too. like, too. dude- I mean, For sure. What
1: the heck is buck dancing? you shaking it. He's shaking his head.
3: I, I don't know that I.
2: <laughs> I
3: don't know, know if I remember looking it. that up or not. I know.
2: Listeners, if you can tell us what buck dancing buck is. Dancing.
1: Buck dancing. Is that is that
2: like at the end of the year at the Buckmasters? Uh,
1: <laughs> they, 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 they all have bo- like a dance. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> they all <have> buck dance.
2: <laughs> That's a good question. I don't
1: know That's if we okay, have time man. to Google that laugh. during
3: this <laughs> yeah. podcast.
1: Okay, ham boning.
3: Yes. It's that knee. That's that, sl- thigh, that slapping. thigh slapping. Yes. that
1: I can't do. He
3: did. He did that on the uh, Fernwood tonight. Oh, yeah. it's yeah. impressive and it was there,
1: very impressive. There is some. There are a few episodes with Virgil Sims, the character he plays on Fernwood tonight. Yes, for you can find them on YouTube, and he does the hand boning, which is like I can't do it. He's like slapping along your thigh.
3: In your hand, in uh, the other hand, it's and, hand percussion, yeah. basically. Right, right. Okay, and
1: the next one is eefing. Yeah, which it says is an Appalachian type. A vocal percussion similar to beatboxing. Yes. Why did we never get to hear Jim Barney Appalachian beatboxing? We were robbed. Why? I
3: don't think they thought that Ernest could sell <laughs> items while doing that, probably. I feel you like... can look that up on YouTube, E-E-F-I-N-G, and you can find people
2: doing that.
1: What? Oh.
2: I feel like maybe the closest we got and is it's... that time when he's like, Doing that tongue rolling thing. It's like, that's a drum roll, Vern. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Maybe he could do the Puerto Rican accent. I feel really, really robbed. I never saw him E-fing. I never saw him buck dancing. Um, Acrobatics, knife throwing. Oh, okay. That is stature yeah. throwing. Dulcimer coin dexterity tricks, we, which yeah, we've seen. There's visual. I uh, heard it's...
3: that what he can do, he could was it balance a quarter on the end of a coat hanger? I think it was what? something like, or make it spin on the edge of a coat hanger or something. Yeah, like
1: I did not know that. Yes, I remember him like rolling a coin between his fingers. Okay, and Ernest goes to jail. It, it, that's exactly what I was A coin dexterity mm-hmm. trick. It has to do with his fingers. But yeah. But oh man, a tightrope yeah. walking that's you can't I,
0: shake I, it was head. on
3: there i mean <laughs>
0: I, like, there was
3: there was really nowhere i could go to verify what was on the resume but i, well, and this is, that, I mean i believe that's what was on there. it well I, you saw it I, you I just
2: showed you the actual resume the,
3: yeah from no
1: i mean i believe yeah. him okay he says he can tightrope well walk. and this isn't
2: even a situation where it's like i'm hiring jim varney and i'm like hey jim can you tightrope walk and he's like oh yeah sure and the, but, like, doesn't actually know. This is, like, the opposite of that, it's where like, he's, like, he's anticipating yeah. ridiculous yes. requests. And I'm just, I love the idea of him being, like, one day, like, oh, yeah, I should have had a tightrope walk. That would probably be a good thing to add to the old arsenal. And I don't know, too, if you could talk, like, the time
3: period this is appearing in.
0: Oh, yeah. Is, so the, they, is, the,
3: is the variety show Time oh, period like, that that's true and that then maybe you know show. hey variety shows You're are right looking for, so this would uh, be
1: like the early 70s right the mid 70s okay, right mid 70s yeah, where so. he's signing up with an agency and yeah i guess it is like maybe. the variety show is still a mm-hmm.
2: thing yeah it was starting to, to come to its end yeah. but hey well, it's no, almost true. like i mean Variety show makes me think of the Muppets. And this is almost like a list of things Gonzo the Great could do. <laughs> right, He's <laughs> like fired from a cannon, balancing or juggling chickens. It's
1: funny. Like you say, I believe that he was like the coolest dude. But like juggling uh, coin tricks and like tightrope walking is not like stuff you usually associate with like cool people. But I believe that somehow he made it all work. Oh, um, yes. It's just like. Yeah. All in. Yeah, he did like a bag of tricks. A speed bag.
3: Well, you know, his his father was a champion boxer in the army, so oh. he taught all of his kids and which... even the girls how to box. That's They actually said that's very cool. They actually that's said cool. the old the oldest, uh, my Aunt Jo Gill was the best, the best one, uh, the best one. Oh man! So yeah.
1: I remember David was very impressed with his speed bagging, and um, it was Haven and Turns. I think it's sports. Oh. He was like, "Well, I was impressed because he could do it, but
2: then he could also time it in the same way that he times like the uh, nunchuck hitting himself in the face. Yes, like." Being able to do very nuanced physical work mm-hmm. is tough, but then being able to do that, but also fake hitting yourself, yeah, or fake injuring and yourself, and not losing an eye, yeah, is, I yeah, feel
3: like, like that fake is a skill. Absolutely, is a yes. Skill. Well, like, look
2: at the wrestling.
3: I mean, the, absolutely, the, the, absolutely, how they can.
1: Ah, and Dave's you know, a big fan of wrestling. I am. And right? I mean, it's just yeah. a
3: skill go. to do all that stuff without breaking your neck. I mean, my goodness.
2: We're not quite to the Ernest Analogues episode yet, but I feel like <laughs> I need to add some more uh, WWF stuff to it just because yeah. of like, the theatrical like pageantry right. and the monologuing and all that kind of stuff. And Ernest is
1: And that was periodically... an episode, by the way, where Ernest wanted to be a wrestler.
2: That's right. That's right.
3: So there right. you
1: go. And <laughs> Eye Crossing is also on here
3: independent cross independent I think you need control to, yeah.
1: of the eyes
3: keep one straight while
2: crossing the other
3: one
1: i can't do that no, I, some people gar- can is yeah. that
2: genetic i don't actually know
3: it
1: much about eye
2: crossing oh i don't i know i don't know anything about
3: it well sounds-
1: i maybe i don't can you do it i don't think so <laughs>
3: <laughs> i think i can do it but then i can't undo it sure and that might be <laughs> it's like a daffy I, duck thing right? you can and only do I'm it once right, right.
1: Once. yeah well it might improve your range of vision <laughs> Obviously, we're not going to go through the whole book. I'm just like zeroing in on things. Like, that's something that we've. Questioned That's something That we've talked about That's something That we've mentioned Observing that he could do In a movie And be like What's that about How come he can do Yo-yo tricks and speed bags and Sure The coin thing I think we even Called that out As being like Super cool
2: Oh absolutely Yeah you were into it
1: I was into it Yeah It was um, sexy
2: We've talked before About like Where things that are Part of what we consider To be Ernest's character Come from And like Which things come from yeah. Jim Farney Which things right. come from John Cherry Which things come from the, the other writers Coke Sams Daniel Butler So all those people People so like reading this book is interesting to be like okay well we can narrow down like this this and this and obviously a lot of the physical stuff comes from Jim Varney just because he could do those things exactly um, but it was neat to sort of have that so concisely confirmed I mm-hmm.
3: guess and that was an interest to me while I wrote the book as well is yeah you know, what part of this came from where I mean yeah yeah yeah
1: I mean and, that we're and, yeah we're always wondering that and like this illuminated a lot of that for me oh for sure something else that. I didn't expect when reading this book, and uh, it kind of struck me as like as much as I felt like Ernest kind of lurking around the corner. I, I hate—I almost hate to say this—there is a tiny part of me that did not want him to show up <laughs> and ruin this really dramatic actor trajectory that he was on for a while. Because mm. for a while he was doing—he mean he was doing children's theater mm-hmm. when he was a little kid, and mm-hmm. then he. He did a lot of high school theater. He was in a lot of Shakespearean plays. He was in Guys and Dolls Mm -hmm. when he was like maybe college age, right? Like it's like children's theater, high school theater. And then after that, after high school, it was the Barter Theater in Virginia. He was an apprentice. Mm -hmm. They did a lot of Shakespeare. And then it was the community theater in Lexington, the studio players.
0: Mm -hmm. Which we got
2: to stop by earlier today. Yeah.
1: But like you feel like he's on this path towards becoming a dramatic actor and you feel like that's what he wants to do. Like that's what he's passionate about. Right. There's a, an anecdote where he gets into a car accident and he he like injures his ear. He kind of like tears his ear. Mm-hmm. And when he's getting stitches, he's to drown out the sound. He's yelling <laughs> lines of Shakespeare. Right. Like that's how into Shakespeare this guy was.
2: Shakespeare.
1: Shakespeare. So, like, there is a part of me that's like, Ernest, don't, <laughs> like, don't, but that's how also how real Ernest is to me. That I'm just kind of like, hey, man, don't, this, this guy's a career is like a dramatic actor, and yep. then it kind of unexpectedly, like, how do you predict in Ernest? Like, I don't
3: think you do. I mean, you, it was just completely out of the blue, and he had been in California and really put in a lot of good work out there, and I think appeared on all the major networks at some point while he was there. And then none of that ended up panning out. The shows yeah. eventually got cancelled.
1: He was in a lot of pilots, right? Like right when He went out mm-hmm. to California.
3: Yes. And so he ended up coming back home in 1980 and um, ended up severing ties with his friend Joe Lowes, who was his manager. And at that point was out of acting altogether. And wow. y- you know, you don't know if it hadn't been for Ernest would would he have
1: even moved, gone back?
3: Gone back? Yeah. I mean, what was? What was in the cards for him at that was point? Was it earnest
1: or nothing at that point? Is that? That's a
3: good question because it happened pretty quickly. Luckily for him, in a way, it happened pretty quickly That's after true. he went back within... We know. M- I forget how many months, really. But uh, those are the kind of questions you contemplate. You I know. don't know. These are
1: the kind of things that like drive you a little bit Keeping nuts. Aaron like, up at
2: night.
3: Uh, yes. It,
1: it, well, I should, I should worry about my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> But it is just like... You know, I, I don't really believe in like destiny or fate or any of this stuff, but after the fact, it feels like it was. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just one of those things that after the fact, you're like, well, this had to happen. I mean, none of us would be here. Yes. You know, yes. And, like, I mean, like you're in this room together, but like, you know, we'd exist still, I guess.
3: I would think. <laughs> yeah. One would hope. already existed. You. Giovanni, <laughs> because yeah.
1: of Shakespeare and actor, we all disappear from the photo. It's the weirdest <laughs> like, Twilight Zone episode ever. No. <laughs> But there is a part of me that's like, oh man, like what kind of dramatic career could he have had I mean
3: But you have to remember too how many chances did he had during Ernest to stop Ernest or to that's true. I mean I mean that's
1: I, very true.
3: And of course one of the kind of turning points I think with Ernest was you know, the first movie which really you know introduced the Ernest character to an at the first time for, to a national audience. And in yeah. some ways, and in some ways, you could argue that almost sealed his fate in a way, to some degree, about you know his Hollywood career and being seen as anything but earnest. And of course, the more earnest movies he did, the, the more, more it was
1: solidly cemented. I mean, not just that so, it cements him as earnest in people's minds, but it also takes all his time. That right? So, like you got you can you be hustling, you can be out there pushing yourself, or you can. Be working. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, I get it. I get why you would want to keep working oh, after yeah. having so many struggles. It,
3: exactly, because it's easy for us to sit back and say, "Well, you should have just done this." And that. He doesn't know, but, that but you don't it's know how that, How is it to live through that, though? Yeah. Sure. So I mean, to experience that, and it's very difficult. And so, it's easy to just say, "Well, you should just stop this and start doing that." Well, no, it's not that easy. No, and, no. And I've struggled for years, and I'm tired of struggling. And if it didn't work then. Well, How's it going to work now, and and that's why you respect actors who really have toiled away many years in before they make it big. As all this it's is all so, this is resonating. It's so you know? difficult. Yeah. I mean, I feel,
1: We relate as just artists, working artists. And yeah. Like I'm an animator, right. and it's, it feels very similar. Like you should get a real job, you know. But I'm like, no, I. This is what I'm supposed to mm-hmm. be. I can't be anything. Other than this, right? I relate to that, and I also get like I see a lot of artists that when they get like a steady job, it's not like maybe exactly what they wanted, but they're like, like when else am I gonna find something like this, you mm-hmm. know? And there's the security is so fleeting, and you've oh, been, sure. been told no so many times, and you've been without for so long. And you're like, when you have it, you don't want to let it go. I've mm-hmm. stayed,
2: I've stayed with clients longer than I should have, just because it's steady work, and you got to keep lights on and feed exactly yourself
1: and. And also, Ernest is awesome. Mm-hmm. There's also like, that.
3: There is that. At
1: the same... You know, okay, go back and forth because Ernest... We've said this before. Like, a lesser actor can't play Ernest. Right. Ernest needs Jim Varney.
3: That's true. People don't realize that, but that's... That's true.
1: Like, you, all those skills, right. like, came into play. Like, his his theatrical, like, mm-hmm. one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is because the first compilation of ads that David and I watched together, we were watching the bloopers and we're watching Varney work. Like, the and, process, yeah. And he's just kind of, you know, going through the, you know, he's going over the lines. and And you said, David, I feel like he's a trained actor.
0: Yep. Like, yep. he
1: seems like a trained actor. And I was like, yeah, I can see that. And then, like, yeah, sure enough, it turned out he that he was. But like, we, uh,
2: understatement.
1: You can see, like, that it's not like he's not using that skill. Right. Ernest is a really difficult character Mm -hmm. he may be like clumsy but his physicality is very specific yes it's very exaggerated it's very theatrical he's always like presenting intentional
2: i I would say it's
1: calculated that's what yeah yeah it's not random i think we said that in our first episode that he he is not doing a random he's not throwing everything out everything is very specific it's he's very controlled we felt like he had control over his body and everything we're seeing was intentional Mm -hmm. yeah
3: and i think it's one of those things you can say Anybody that's really good at something makes it look easy mm-hmm. and almost makes it look like you could do it, but you can't. No, you can't so- <laughs> You know, you see, you know, a gymnast up on the, the yeah. parallel bars or something and like, oh, that looks like I could, you know, not break my neck. And yeah. yes, you
2: are going to break your
3: neck. Well, I mean, no.
2: we're going to talk about uh, earnest analogs at a later date, but maybe a Jim Varney analog that this just made me think of is like Harry Houdini. Where he's just like, easy. he's like a very physical performer uh, yeah. and like his presence is very like controlled in terms of how yeah. he executed those tricks and stuff.
1: Well, like another analog we will have to talk about later is Charlie Chaplin.
2: Sure, because sure. and maybe I mean, he, he's probably a better uh, yeah. Jim Varney analog too, because he is the actor as opposed to the tramp who He'd might be, a, be yeah. The a, tramp a, an is the
1: Ernest earnest analog, analog. Right. Well, but right. like you said, Justin, in your book, that like Ernest is specifically based on the Little Tramp on Charlie Chaplin's character. Yes, and you know we saw we seen like Charlie Chaplin posters oh, yeah. in Jim yeah. Varney's house in Haver, hey, it's Ernest, and it's like <laughs> I, I okay, can't I can't
2: not think of jim varney (laughs) anymore when i'm at like ikea and there's just (laughs) a a charlie chaplin at my local grocery store there's one in like the employee area i want all the jim is this Burns house am i in Burns house right right
0: now
1: and again it's like oh he's just going in in front of the camera and like saying dumb things with a southern accent it's like no he's thinking about Chaplin. he's Mm -hmm. thinking about like a really physical silent performance and it's, it's it's just like we're both animators, and mm-hmm. I've been through a couple years of animation school, and they showed us Chaplin constantly, like sure. to show like how do you portray a character physically? How do you? They always are showing us Chaplin, and I, at some point I was like, or you know, you could show us Ernest Barney is like the same kind of right. performer. He is actually the most engaging performer I've ever seen. In my opinion, like Jim Barney is my favorite performer. I mean, he might be tied with some, I think he is my favorite.
2: I don't, I I don't, I'd I'd have to seriously think about it, but he's definitely up there for me. I
1: don't ever see anyone more charismatic and like, he was just a natural. Yeah. And like, I can see people saying that he's that talent is wasted on earnest. But
0: it's
2: also kind of perfect in a way. It's also
1: perfect for Ernest yeah. and Ernest would not exist without that. And, you know, I can't say it was a waste because, like you said, there's people that Ernest is their hero.
2: Right.
3: And then also we talk about, too, like what do they see is like movies, like the end all be all of yeah. what you are supposed to be as an actor. I mean, what what uh, is it? Movie stage. I mean, what is or is it, you know, comedy as well? People that don't really respect comedies as they do other forms. I mean, what is it about? A comedic TV commercial. That's
1: what is an actor supposed to achieve?
2: Exactly. Well, I think so that's it's. You could, in a way, describe the reaction that we had to Jim in those ads as he's taking this comedy work seriously.
1: Yeah. Oh no. And, completely. and, I, and I don't
2: mean that in a way that like the seriousness informs or like creeps into his like performance or no, delivery, but it's like. I talk uh, off air. I talk a lot with Aaron about how it annoys me when people who are in the, the same creative arts that we are sort of like dismiss things as like, oh, this is this is just silly. Like we don't have to try. Like this is just for kids. Like we can do we can yeah. go halfway and it'll be good enough. And it's like, well,
1: no, he's giving like a hundred percent effort absolutely. to like something that some maybe another actor might think like this is beneath me. Mm-hmm. Why or am I? I'm doing just gonna I'm gonna character. coast through this and yeah. not yeah. No, it's a dedicated, earnest performance, and we said many times that like earnest the word earnest Mm -hmm. not the name the word earnest is a very good description of jim varney's performance like Mm -hmm. his acting style he's always it's very genuine and earnest is a perfect word for it in everything i've seen him in even though he's not earnest and he plays very different characters from earnest and other opportunities he had there is a conviction there Mm -hmm. sincere there's a reality to it actors i've ever seen Oh yeah. Maybe Peter Capaldi is the like the other one for me. And they might be like a slightly <laughs> tied, but I feel like Jim Barney is just edging. But they do different things again. It's kind of an apple and orange, but like it's sure. like the best apple and the best orange. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a fruit bowl that and Aaron would
3: love. It's a
1: delightful fruit bowl of handsome. And that was
2: part of it because
3: I think he was so convincing that that, that that made it hard for people to see him.
1: I mean, maybe as
3: anything else.
1: Maybe you know? an actor's success is you convinced the world exactly that this that person s- was real,
3: that you were so good in this type of role that
1: yeah, they believed it a hundred percent exactly. What and else can you ask for?
3: And so much of being a character actor is, you know, fooling or manipulating the the audience's suspension of a disbelief. And and if, <laughs> and, you, and if you can't do that, then you're kind of in trouble, I guess. And so if you get tied to one character like that and pigeonholed, then yeah. it's, no matter how good of an actor you are, it, that just doesn't matter anymore because they just see you as that. And so...
1: It's, I guess, a blessing and a curse. Exactly. And I guess yeah. he, he could have stopped a little earlier, Yes, you know, so. but again, we have hindsight, you know, he did not know that he was going to die at 50, mm-hmm. sure. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you think you have time, you know, at right. this point, this will right. end naturally, and then you mm-hmm. can go, I feel like if he had lived, he would have, it seemed like it was already starting to happen, was, that like right. the earnest was coming to a tail end, it was kind of ending... Naturally, like Mm -hmm. the shelf life was ending and he would, I think, I always saw him as like he would eventually transition into more villain roles.
3: Right. And I think one thing that probably would have helped that is him being older and that alone changing his look and Mm -hmm. able to, you know, looking differently that alone would have helped a great deal.
0: I
1: think it was already starting. Like, mm-hmm, if you were right. starting to see it, but like, it was cut off prematurely, and mm-hmm. we never saw what he would have done. But I feel like mm-hmm. if he had lived, he would still be around now, like playing that grizzled mm-hmm. dude. Like, he'd be the badass on The Walking Dead. Right, like sure. The oh, badass yeah. Badass on The Walking He would. Freaking maybe he'd be in Star Wars now. Like you never know. Oh my
0: god, what what are you doing? I'm just
1: saying, like (laughs) I I I mean, that's my biggest regret. I don't regret how long he did Ernest. I regret that he's not alive to like just been in the next phase of his career. Oh yeah. You know?
2: Now I'm just thinking about Jim Varney He would Star have
1: been Wars. amazing. <laughs>
2: well,
3: right. With he'd, the have, lightsaber, he'd have that grizzled right, Harrison, Because of but like, like, oh, yeah. samurai sword oh, yeah. skills with a lightsaber. He had samurai was.
1: sword skills, too. And he, I mean, you say in your book that he was actually really self-conscious about his looks limiting him to being a character actor as opposed to like a leading man. Like mm-hmm. They kind of said early on that he might get a lot of villain roles because his looks were so unique.
3: Right. You know? and i think too it's important to also look at the time that was he too was young. well that in the cinema back in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. i mean so many of the stars were the best looking people and <laughs> and the leading man roles were always like the best looking actors and that's changed over time to A degree, Mm -hmm. not a great degree, but back then it was always, you know, the best looking people were the leading, and so that was...
1: I mean, like, this is a big thing in your book, like, he got a nose job, we won't go too far into it, but like, (laughs) he's like so worried about not being a leading actor.
3: Yeah, I don't know how much degree that... Played. I know he had some issues, I think, like with a deviated septum. Uh, But yeah, he was wanting a more like a a Roman looking nose and, you know, something that was a
1: little more. Well, he thought it would uh, help his career. Yes, yes, yes. It's interesting, like how dedicated early on he was to being like more of a dramatic actor. That's not the character role, not the comedy Mm -hmm. option. Mm hmm. And then that was not at all what happened. The mm-hmm. opposite happened. But then his face is so awesome. I mean, you said that later on he, he like came to appreciate how unique it was and how much character it had. Mm-hmm. I and mean, like that face is so delightful to me. Mm-hmm. He in the in the book you mentioned that he was a little self conscious about like the width of his mouth. Right. And we've yeah. talked about the width of his mouth so much in like <laughs> with such true. delight yeah, right, yeah. and like appreciation for like how much we love. Yeah, how wide Ernest's well, smile it's, it's is. It's perfect,
2: like, it's perfect for Ernest, but it's also perfect for theater, yeah, because like, you can telegraph the heck out of like right. the of back course. row, like they're gonna know exactly
3: what I you're mean, doing he with that thing.
1: tailor made mm-hmm. for yeah. like a broad performance, mm-hmm. yeah. you know,
3: it's a very good point.
1: And you know, it, I can't say like, oh, you know, it's a shame that he was in a corner, like, what right, was, no. was, like, trapped as Ernest. Well, no, Ernest is a way that he could actually use all his skill, use his physicality, like, everything worked Right for that character.
3: And that was definitely something I thought about when writing my book. I said, this is not going to be some apologetic book about Ernest in the least. I said, because, you know, it's really to celebrate Ernest and what that character meant to him and so many people. And you, you don't know either, because he was a character for so long, what opportunities that character ended up giving him as well. Yeah. You know, because of the Disney ties, there's Toy Story and, sure. you know, other other things like that and, and some other connections that I not, was never even able to discover myself that maybe led in, in roundabout ways to other roles and things. Yeah, I mean, D- so.
1: Disney owns Star Wars now. Yeah. Disney. <laughs> well, <might>. I'm just, <laughs> oh, doing? I'm sorry, nice. I'm just saying it's very possible. But well,
2: now I just want to have all this conjecture about what would he play an well, A? Alien.
1: I'm I, I a rebel. Yeah, he's like grungy, mm. like uh, earthy rebel. I see him like as a, like a more of the gruff, like the old Han Solo and Force sure. Awakens. I see him like that kind of character, It's like sure. just like the grizzled, like I've mm-hmm. been through the war. This is what's I've like. Seen kids. Some stuff. I just imagine like he would have been great at that kind of character. It's totally different from Ernest, but I feel right. like that would have been the natural progression of his career. Like mm-hmm. it's not that Ernest was bad. It's just that. He should have had more time,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, like it's it's that we want to see all that stuff. We want yeah. to see him in those things.
1: and knowing how limited his time was, it's like Ernest is wasting that time, but that's something we're saying in hindsight. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm looking at Ernest's clean sweep jersey right now. It's like, you know that character
2: I was gonna say, have we talked about the fact that we're in a room? I mean, we touched on it briefly that the Emmy is here. I'm so delighted that there is an Emmy Award on this earth <laughs> that says the words. Auntie Nelda on it
1: yeah it's, it's Jim Barney who plays characters yes Auntie Nelda etc like Auntie Nelda made the shortlist yes. it gets mentioned on the Emmy
2: if you don't mention me I'm going to throw a face and
1: I mean yeah. in he was so broad like he enjoyed those like broad characters like in what other
2: are you talking about the fact that Auntie Nelda is an old woman
1: Yes, David. <laughs> he she's such a broad character. Like, in what other what other property would allow him to do that? You know, like right. I feel this, like he could really play, and he could do so many things in the, would, the right. earnest radius. That's why it's, it's always like,
2: interesting to me. Where like I understand that he was sort of pigeonholed, for yeah. lack of a better word, as Ernest. But like saying that is almost like a disservice to like the other like weirdo characters that he's constantly doing in all of the films. Like, yeah. Like, He's known for one character, but he's it's more complicated than that, yeah. I think.
1: I think people would have come to appreciate that eventually if he'd had the chance. Like eventually. You know, he would have aged out of earnest, People would have mm-hmm. seen it, and then it's time for the next phase. Sure. I'm like sure. yeah, there there's a part of me that's like, I obviously I wanted to see him do so many more things, but then there's the part that's like, I have an earnest podcast and this right. is like my favorite character <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> so
3: And I think it's, I keep on, for me, when I'm writing the book, I I do bring the parallels, you know, with like Christopher Reeve and Superman. Yeah. And I think that, I don't know how he looked back on his career before, of course, his, his all too soon passing, but that, you know, I think he got pigeonholed as the Superman character. And I think he did some other great work as well. Yeah. But that Superman, the character that meant so much to people, even though you're not getting the personal accolades you want. Your character means so much to so many. and that was like earnest, I think
1: that is a perfect and, analogy you know, it, isn't like
3: yeah, you're you're not giving other actors are winning award, you know, academy Awards, yeah. but are they playing characters that are so meaningful, especially to kids in their yeah. childhoods? And that to me is is really something. And I don't know how much they think about that in their career, like, oh, well, I've got these awards. But, oh, I was able to play some of these characters that really inspired people. And, and I think that's very powerful.
1: I mean, it gave him an avenue to work with kids. Like um, mm-hmm. you talk about in the book how it became a thing where like Jim as Ernest would visit a children's hospital. And he did a lot of work with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Like yep. that is something that couldn't have happened right. without Ernest as the bridge.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and The Superman comparison is interesting it too. Is. Just because it's like, you could almost be dismissive of those films to a certain degree, in the mm-hmm. same way that earnest films are kind of dismissed. Where it's like, yeah. oh yeah, Superman films—the one where he like punches a bodybuilder that's on so the moon cheesy, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But it's like it's it's that idea again of like, oh, I I know what that is without watching. Well, it.
1: it's like no, those those movies inspired a generation of sure. like kids. Sure. That's like what it's like to be a hero. What it is to be a good man. Right. Yeah. You know, yep. and like. Ernest doesn't have like a malicious Bone in his body Mm -hmm. you know Right
2: well they're both truth to justice in the American Way they Mm -hmm. are
1: both beloved American Icons that's true that's true right Um you know I learned from So many people that they grew up with Ernest as like a stand-in father figure Mm -hmm. People kids that did not have fathers Sure I mean it's a marker of success I think that's as valid as You know an Academy Award yes Which he could have gotten
2: more So in some cases yeah
1: which He could have gotten it could have happened. But that's just as important, if not yeah, more yep. so. There's so many more things I want to go into in this book and like this is just like the, about what a what a character your uncle was. This, this is one of my favorite things. It's it's not related, but this is one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I want to like I want to draw the suspense like what is it? Um and this goes back to his fascination with like knives, watches, craftsmanship, yes, okay. which I totally relate to. The fact that he had Curiosity tables? Yes. I mean, the curiosity table, this is the most amazing thing that I've ever read. I might be slightly hyperbolic. This is one of the most amazing things I've ever read. So he had a table of like, what was the curiosity table? Please expound upon this.
3: Again, this came from, if I remember my mother, this, I don't remember it. I mean, I guess it was there at his house and I didn't really realize like what it was. that It was... <laughs> Defined as a curiosity table. Uh-huh. I mean, it was just a table full of just knickknacks and things that he had that he wanted to entertain people with. I mean, he was constantly, enter- I mean, he was constantly entertaining and pulling things out of his pockets, whether it be jewelry, knives, guns, coins, <laughs> guns. whatever. And I think <laughs> these Big were pockets. things that probably didn't fit in the pockets. He, yeah. he, where pro- Seems- he probably <laughs> gathered them off the table, what he could when he left, and like. What yeah. can I take from my curiosity table when I make my next visit or, you know, I don't know. But. Oh,
1: my goodness. So <laughs> Here's how you describe the curiosity okay. table. Uh, you say, as an adult, Jim created what he called a curiosity table at his home in Tennessee. The big oak table in his den was covered with dozens of items such as old coins, telescopes, gears, knives, and so on. He invited anyone visiting to inspect the items and he would explain what made them unique. That Dude, we need curiosity tables. Oh, yeah. That is that is something that has never occurred to me. And now I want one. <laughs> that sounds amazing. But this is, I mean, this is so cool. Like, on the same page, he had a, a, a jeweler's magnifying lens. Oh, like, yes. a, like a loop. Yeah, yes, yes. attached to a pair of glasses. And he would inspect something closely. And you wrote, his intense curiosity would almost convince you he was a visitor from another planet. Yes. Like
3: <laughs> Of many of the things... I wrote in the book, that's one of the few things that I thought was a very good description of. I mean. And he would. He was like, you could see the little folds in between his eyes. Yeah, that crease. The crease, like like a cavern, because he would just be so intent. You know, he was so curious about things and just locked in and... Just fascinated, I, you know.
1: I think that one sentence tells me so much about him and like how he, what it was like to watch him, mm-hmm. like how he came off, of like how his, what his demeanor was like.
3: Intense. It, it, it could be very intense at times, for sure. I mean, he. It's funny, like when he would watch TV. I noticed that he'd be at our house, and you would have to be like, Jim, Jim. <laughs> he he would just look at like he was. You know, it was had a
1: like a laser focus. Yes, on it the was. It
3: was drawing him in, and yeah, he would just get locked into something. Well, it's I,
1: almost
2: like a visitor from another planet, and the planet is television. Yes, <laughs> that too. Right.
1: But yeah well, like like we said before, like how big his hands were, like how wide <laughs> his mouth was, how how his physicality just was so unique, like it seems like he was just made for the theater, like he yes. was just made he was put like,
3: together in a, a lab for <laughs> Shakespeare's, Shakespeare's monster
1: <laughs> Shakespeare's monster I like that a lot <laughs> Shakespeare's dying.
2: thou art alive. <laughs> <laughs>
1: or art art thou alive (laughs) that is the question question.
3: he was that's a good point he was like tailor made for that
1: it's like seems so fitting to me it's like okay there's a whole other character which we we have not analyzed to the fullest because we, we can't Sure. We're not qualified, but, like, and that character... You know, to
3: be fair, I don't know that I'm qualified, I mean, you know? Well, I mean... look,
1: the only person qualified to, like, describe <laughs> everything about Jim Barney is maybe Jim Barney, and he's not objective.
3: Right. So, you know, like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you sum up a person? I mean, like, right. we're looking at work, we're looking at films, we're looking at TV shows, we are looking at something that we know humans made and crafted, and we're just giving people our interpretation. Mm -hmm. You're trying to put together the life of an actual person. Yes. Which is like so daunting to me that I don't know how you're sane right now.
3: I know. I mean, it was. was, I took it so seriously because I felt like I don't even feel like I'm worthy of this. And I just tried to compensate by just working as hard as I could. To the point where I think I made myself crazier than I already am.
1: I mean, how do you not go crazy? You wrote this for five years.
3: Almost like six. Almost almost like, and I think literally almost every day I was doing something research wise or I'm having to do all this myself. So in order to really do a good job, it just took longer.
1: And you're bringing together so many different people from mm -hmm. so many different places.
3: A lot of them didn't know each other. Yeah. Some of them didn't like each other. And that made it, you don't know where you're going to land on something that, oh, okay, I didn't realize this this was, oh, yes, because you're just stepping into it from this outside place.
1: I mean, I'm trying to imagine somebody like writing a story about me, (laughs) like how would they juggle like my school friends, family, like people I've worked with, like they're all spread out. And how do you put that together for a person? Like that's crazy, man.
3: And it was crazy when I would come, you know, talk to somebody that was so central in his life that didn't know another person that was really central in his life. Yeah. And when that happened, I felt like, I really feel like I've got something here.
1: And again, I don't know who else could do that.
3: That was the thing when I sat around before I wrote the book. I'm like, I may be one of a few people in this position to even be able to do this. And now, yeah. am I going to so do you this? You got I, to. I mean, I did. I kind of felt like I really need to do this. I felt like it was just an, uh, an obligation, you know?
1: I and it was.
3: I mean, it 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 was.
1: I mean, I feel like this is a very noble goal we're doing, and yours is extremely no, well, noble.
3: Well, it is. I mean, like the podcast, right? I mean, people love Ernest, and the, the you know the level of dissection you do is.
1: But I feel like we're also fighting back. We're fighting back all the people. It's like, uh, oh, Jim Varney, well, like he's a punchline. Like, oh, Jim Varney, like when's he gonna get his Academy Award?
0: <laughs> like
1: that's that always kind funny, of crap. right? Like, right. You know what? <laughs> Let's set the record straight.
3: But it's just such an easy yeah. joke, though, that it's like, come on, come up with something a That's little... It's lazy, yeah. Come up with something a little I mean, more Ernest original. Ernest is
1: an easy target, and yes. also, like, it's a very, like, shout, like, you looked really quick, you looked once, you looked away. You didn't mm-hmm. look.
3: I think when they do that, too, they really, even though they say Jim Barney, they, they mean, probably, they mean Ernest. Ernest, so...
1: He's not playing himself.
3: Right, right.
1: And there's layers to Ernest, and... We, We've been through this. Yeah. You know yeah. a podcast you're listening to. Yeah. Actually, like, the tendency to self-mythologize, I'm going to a page in here, page 60. So, apparently, a friend of his, Charles Edward Pope
3: Yes, yes.
1: He apparently wrote a college paper yes. about folklore based on stories Varney told about himself. like. Yes.
2: Yes. Supposed to be a history project. Okay. Wasn't it? <laughs> okay. And
3: of course, this was back in the 60s when, I mean, they were they were friends, and this was kind of like his stories being on the road and his some of his adventures as an actor and it's traveling. Is, right. <laughs> traveling so, artist. Right, right.
1: Well, it says Pogue says everyone had Varney stories along with himself at this time. And then mm-hmm. I've heard this, I've heard like people in the, you know, the Ernest Crew say this, like everyone has Varney stories. Mm-hmm. That is very folksy to me. Like it's like he's a real life folk hero. It's crazy that we, we talk that way about Ernest, but there is an element of that's Jim Barney, and it's like mm-hmm. totally different Yeah but there is a larger than life aspect to him, just as yeah. a person, and that that is very interesting. If you mean, feel like you could have, have a whole other book of just like the Varney tale. I probably whole, could. I wish they, you know he was
3: upset about the fact that since that was the last paper of the semester, they turned it in, and he would have had to check with the professor afterwards to get it back. You know, and we so we don't see
1: the Varney stories. And paper. He never got
3: it, and he for he never oh, went to get it. I back, would have
1: loved to seen that. Like
3: oh my goodness, oh man,
1: that term find paper.
2: that professor,
3: and we'll and and, and this guy. Here he's like a, a screenwriter, and I mean I'm sure that paper was very good. I mean mm. this he, he got an A. His livelihood is writing, and so you can imagine how well it probably was for sure.
1: He who was a character. Yes. <laughs> you know what I like about Jim Barney? He had curly hair. It's <laughs> just an aside, but like we never see that as Ernest. No. And I have curly hair. So we're like the same person. So I'm as good as Jim Barney. <laughs>
2: that's all you need yeah
1: this is one thing i found interesting apparently jim lost out on a guys and dolls role like he lost he lost the role to nathan lane while he was working on wilder napalm
3: that i'm trying to remember i believe that he ended up going to the audition for that or did he not even make the audition i'm trying to remember now
1: I don't know if maybe he didn't make the audition. All it says is that although Jim was confident about winning the role he had played in his dinner theater years, Nathan Lane was eventually cast and earned a Tony nomination for his portrayal. Might he have missed
3: it? Yes, I'm thinking. Maybe, you know, he that that would probably be Jim. You know, I missed the audition, but I would have if I would have made it. I would oh, have, you know.
1: I mean, he was offered around the time he was committed to Ernest Goes to Camp. Yeah, he was offered a role on Broadway um, in Big River. Right. It was Pappy Finn for like six weeks? Right, right, he would, right. And that.
3: That was, I think, he really regretted. Yeah. You know.
1: I mean, I can imagine. Well, there was an interview. I mean, the last interview he gave. Right, right. He he brought up the fact that he'd been offered a role in Big River, and that was years, years, and years mm. later. So maybe it was something that
3: and he contradicted him. himself in that same interview about having regrets, and then saying he didn't, and then another point in the interview talked about like
1: I would have cut out of earnest a little more. I think yeah, he said, yeah,
3: yeah. And so just it was an example of how he wrestled with that. I think, and you know, maybe just
2: I don't know if he lied to himself, but just kind of. Maybe I just mean, had like a you, different vibe depending on the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: I mean, you, at some point you have to resign yourself to exact, like what yeah. you can't change. Right, but, right. And I guess when you have a ton of time or you think you have a ton of time, Whoa. there's no rush mm-hmm. in ending something like Ernest. You know, it's again, it's a hindsight thing. Like he can regret it, but he didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, and you cannot drive yourself nuts of like, if I had known this, I would have done this and it, but you can't. He can't do that. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, he was just being wise about not driving himself crazy for things he couldn't change.
3: True, true. I mean, and of course, you do look at things like the Beverly Hillbillies where he was able to get the role and he was still very much... You know, in earnest, I think he had an earnest movie basically coming out in the same month. Or
0: yeah,
1: Ernest that, Rides Again was coming out yeah, in the same and, month.
3: Yeah, of oh, that oh, the movie. Same year. Yeah. So I mean, he was still very much in earnest during that, and he was able to get that role. And I think that probably gave him hope for future roles. That it's like, hey, I can still play Ernest and you know, do oh, this. maybe.
1: I mean, and he had to they had to fight a little bit for that role, right? Like True. the director of Beverly Hillbillies had to like vouch for him. It's like, no, she really wants him mm-hmm. because the studio wasn't sure about casting Ernest, of
3: course, right.
1: you know, and he had to screen test for that. Mm-hmm. but he did get it, right, right. And that's such a warm i've I've seen people say that like his portrayal of Jed was like kind of closer to his real demeanor or it was sort of calmer. You mentioned another character being pretty close to like Jim. Which was the the treehouse hostage? Well, character. that was
3: probably closest to just how he he was in in just real life, without like yeah. almost just kind of in a way playing himself in a way. You know, not that he's like a bank robber or anything, but he's not. <laughs> you know posing for the camera or anything He he's just kind of it's just like a straight it's role. a pretty natural performance yeah even though i say straight role and but at like some point in the movie
1: a robber in a treehouse. yeah <laughs> but i mean
3: but also in the movie at some point he dresses up as a woman for some i forget what the scene was <laughs> yes. but yeah and he does yeah.
1: it wah like at least once
3: but uh that was like the closest thing to like kind of a, just a straight role that i think he had played
1: and I, I remember mm-hmm. watching that movie and thinking that it was a very straight character. And then mm-hmm. when I I mentioned it to you, Dave, and you asked me like where it fell along like the performance spectrum yeah. of Jim Barney, and I kind of said it was it seems like baseline Jim Barney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. like this is the closest you're going to get. Like, he's kind of playing well, yeah, a very I mean, I- natural like he yeah.
2: just said like bank robber notwithstanding he's just kind of like a
3: he's regular kind of a guy. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really
1: like and I like that performance and I like that yeah. character. Mm-hmm. I actually really like uh Carl. That's his name.
3: Carl. The, the oh like yeah. The treehouse hostage yeah. character. Yeah.
1: He does a beautiful monologue in that movie. It's true. Doesn't he? It's a really does. compelling monologue about how he used to be a firefighter and then he had a traumatic experience and like And he couldn't do it anymore after that and his life kind of went downhill and he made all these mistakes and it's like really compelling. You're just like, man, this freaking monologue in a little kid's movie about holding a a bank robber hostage. Oh, not a bank, a counterfeiter. Right, right, right. Oh, somebody didn't see Treehouse Hostage. (laughs) It's I've seen it.
3: (laughs) I did forget that in detail.
1: Oh, well. Put a red X X on my. Oh, man. Uh this is something else that I feel like I have to mention because I think this this book uh, this book got
2: to me. Yeah, Erin is tugging at her I, own uh, I'm not tugging. I'm
1: just like I'm I'm just like um, holding my own chest just to give myself some support because like as someone who has anxiety, clinical anxiety, clinical depression,
0: mm-hmm.
1: this book. Is really like I really really related to the fact that he struggled mm-hmm. so much too with depression. Um, I mean, he, in his last interview, the Nashville scene—that's actually where I got wind of that he had struggled with that sort of thing too. Where he uh, he talks about having manic depression. Mm-hmm. He describes like how he would, you know, he'd be really high sometimes. Would be like really, and he could not bring his energy down. And then sometimes he'd be really low and depressed and he didn't know which one he would be. And it was hard for him to like go out to an audition or like go out and, you know, do an appearance and not know like which he was going to get. And mm-hmm. and that, you know, he kind of self-medicated with alcohol he to bring himself down and, and that he didn't realize that that wasn't the norm for everyone. Like he didn't realize right. that that was not everyone's experience and then then he at that point he was he knew about it and had been diagnosed and was being treated and that was towards the ends of his life and i remember thinking like how candid that interview was and like Mm -hmm. how much i actually appreciated him saying that right because you don't know when you have that you spend a long time just thinking it's you and that this is just how you are and you're stuck like that. And you also feel like, like, well, what can I do? Like, this is going to really limit me. But he accomplished so much without even knowing that. He had to have been so dedicated to get past all that. Those are real obstacles. Mm-hmm. Like, it's in your head. It's hard to fight you. It's like you're, um just as speaking from the perspective of having depression and anxiety, it's like you're, you're fighting your own brain. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. You know, and I get and he mentions like that he kept working because it would keep his mind off of it. And the more his mind was occupied, like the less likely he was to fall into a, a depression. I totally get that. One of the reasons I do this podcast is because I wanted to start a project because when I'm engaged in a project, I'm much less likely to fall into that hole. Right. And so that th- throughout the book, like I related to it and it also frustrated me. Like at some points I could see, like he would say things that seemed like it was a symptom, you know, a symptom of depression, a symptom of manic depression. And then like, I just remember like feeling like frustrated that like, he didn't know and it's it's a, it's a thing of being in the 80s, you know, in the 90s, like people are just not as aware of it, which is right. why I'm saying it now, because I think awareness is how people realize that they might have this or that sure. their family might have, you know, your friend might have it, your family yeah. member might have it. But if you don't know, then you can't see the signs, you right. know, and that's why I say it too, It's like, it's not just you, you know, and it's comforting also to see someone as accomplished as Jim Barney, like yeah. that, he, that he struggled with that sort of thing too too. That's a way that I related to the book. Mm -hmm. Like, I came out of that that book, like, kind of emotionally, like, (laughs) oh, I felt like I'd been wrung out, because I felt all my struggles with depression, all my struggles, like, fighting, like, like, I get where he's coming from. I get why he loved to stay working, keep his mind occupied. And I'm grateful that he became so candid, you yeah. know, and that interview was just like very honest. There's like, you know, my, there's some ways that that affected my life. Maybe some of these things are my fault. Some of them weren't. But, you know, I was grateful that he acknowledged it and mm-hmm. was honest about it because you don't know who that helps. You don't know if somebody else sees that and goes, oh, wait, this, that's not normal. Like, that's me, mm-hmm. you know? And then I was also impressed that he that he got help, nice. that he... Like, I know people that they know they have depression. And they, they don't want to treat their depression because they think if they take medicine, it makes them weak. They should be able mm-hmm. to go through this on their own. They they don't, and they're almost afraid to admit that they have it. And
0: right.
1: it's so unnecessary. Like if you're depressed, you you should and can fight it. And like as much as, yeah, his his life was cut short and it sucks and I hate it. I'm also glad that he seemed to be kind of realizing some things and kind of, becoming sort of content
0: mm-hmm.
1: towards the end of his life. And like, he seemed to be coming to peace with a lot of things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I saw that in that last interview, which people should read. That's with the Nashville scene. And like, I know I'm still doing a lot of talking because I've gone through the, the the mental health ring and, and you're, it's a thing that's always there. But yes, you you absolutely can fight it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to define you. And it doesn't have to stop you from doing everything that you want to do. So that... This book was really important to me for like yeah. a lot of reasons. Like I really right. I really connected to that. At the end I just felt like, oh man. Like I f- it was very cathartic right. for me. Maybe in a way that you may I don't know if you anticipated that or not.
3: No, I mean in, in thinking about his mental health and all that throughout his life, I went back and I'm thinking about because he wasn't getting any kind of help for that through all the earnest time. I don't know then if he had been a successful like movie star, yeah. if he would have survived, and I don't think he would have, you know, because that would have been a very dangerous thing for him if he's out in California and he's becoming-
1: I mean, we've seen that happen you know, to a lot and, of-
3: And so when to think about it, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, maybe Ernest was the way that he was able to survive through this because he was close to home- and he that's had right. kind of a a network of people. He had a
1: support system. And, and
3: almost at a certain point had like handlers, really, that would <laughs> help to get him places that movie studios wouldn't have – would, they would probably yeah, just fired him. Yeah. And when I thought about that, I'm thinking, well, goodness, right. It, I don't know. I mean, this was – it would have been different. Like you said, it shouldn't limit you because, yeah, if he had had maybe the medication back then, then he could have – if he had had that other kind of stardom with the movie career and living in California,
1: I mean it might but have then,
3: affected affect other know.
1: things like relationships, right. Right. like more like lifestyle, you know, right. you know, maybe cigarettes wouldn't have had such control maybe. over him. Good point. But I had the same thought that I don't know if Hollywood if that kind of like environment would yeah. have been a positive environment well, yeah, for him. It might
3: it would swallow you up with a normal and spit like, you out they, they, like whatever. Yeah, if you don't have any mental issues, it'll turn you
1: mental. <laughs> I mean, how many actors have we seen that happen to? Too many. Right. Yeah, you could definitely make the argument that Ernest in a way could have been like a saving grace for him, like a, a a safe space for him. You I know, people loved him, they took care of him, mm-hmm. and he was close to home and like you said, close mm-hmm. to his family and exactly. support him. Where he ended up in terms of like where he was mentally, in terms of where he was like just as a person, I feel like he was in a fairly good place towards the end of his life. Oh
3: yeah, I definitely feel that.
1: And I'm I'm actually very grateful for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one big takeaway I had from this book, besides all everything we've just said. <laughs> I don't know if I want <laughs> to.
0: Let's
2: let's go there.
1: Is that a th- I think if there's one person I would want alongside me. In a zombie apocalypse, it would be Jim Varney, the I say now, yeah, hatchet throwing, hunting, um, right. man of the terrain. And very, very
3: yes. adaptable.
1: That, yeah, I mean, well,
3: if you talk to what is his name, Richard Spite Jr.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: As you know, what a 14, 15 year fifteen-year-old on the set of Ernest goes to camp. Oh, that's right. Jim taught him a very valuable lesson <laughs> about how to stab someone oh, in my... a fight.
1: Oh, we have to play the clip of this. Is like yeah, this interview yeah. with Richard Speight Jr. Yes, yeah, yeah, at, at a convention.
0: And we're literally sitting there doing nothing. He goes,
3: "If you're ever in a knife fight, slash, don't stab."
2: But the man can't fight back if he's got to use one hand to hold his belly together.
0: And that was my reaction.
3: I was like, <laughs> okay, Jim. Slash, not yes. stab. Slash, not stab. Hashtag, slash, slash don't, don't stab.
1: Hashtag, slash, don't stab. Exactly.
3: Slash tag. And I guess that would be the same for a zombie. That would probably be the same for a zombie I mean, as no, well. he
1: would throw a hatchet into a zombie's skull. Right. He won, oh, hatchet, he won the hatchet throwing contest. He, he did. Oh, yeah. Man. That's- <laughs> that And that is a high, high praise One of the many roles <laughs> we think. would have
2: still liked to see him play Is the inevitable zombie Absolutely. apocalypse An Yeah, the
1: zombie apocalypse badass oh. uh, So is there anything else, Justin, that y- you want the people to know?
2: Or is there like, was there a, something in this book That like when you found it out that you were proudest of Like, oh, yeah. I'm from that lineage That I'm proudest of, yeah. oh, that's a good I didn't mean to immediately
3: put you on the spot <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think of something specific like a specific I think just early on thinking of him you know as a teenager and in, in you know leaving for New York and you know how brave that was to want to take something like that on and and trying to you know imagine myself and in, in that same sure. That's hard to do. I don't know if I, I
0: yeah, I could have done that. that. And, and
3: and then you know to really go for it like he did early, and you know especially early on when he was so young and huh. you know didn't have a lot of money and and not a whole lot of people really believed in him. And but he just kept at it, and that was. I was really proud of him for that and, and, and knowing, yeah. you know, and, and putting the pieces together where he was when he was at barter theater and the Pioneer playhouse and even down in Chattanooga, Tennessee and doing some stuff down there that how he had to be homesick at times and running sure. low on money and my aunts sending him money, you know, $5 here and there. And, you know, but I'm sure, you know, he was just, it was an adventure for him. He was really enjoying it, but there also had to be times when he was, you know, down and, Rethinking, you know, his sure. life choices. So, of course. Um, but then, of course, and then overall, the whole earnest character and what it meant to everybody. I mean, he, you know, that was a lot of his professional career. And I think that's great that he was able to um, play that character for so long and do it as well as he did. And
1: Is there a story you were particularly proud <laughs> of having unearthed?
3: Definitely the Johnny Cash stuff was big. I, mean, I knew that he knew Johnny Cash, but I didn't know... How he met him and and so finding out how that all panned out and that he was pretty good friends with Johnny Cash that was that was pretty big. I mean Johnny, Ca- I mean Jim Barney's. I mean, those
1: are too larger yeah. than life I mean
3: Jim Barney's like, big, but you know Johnny Cash is iconic. I mean, and that's yeah. So that was really something.
1: They're kind of um, on the same level to me. Well, but to like, you, right? But, yeah, but to, like, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I get it. But that's but that's, I, but that's kind of one of those things. which like, of course, Jim Barney was friends with Johnny he, well, it, Cash. Yeah. Of course he was.
2: Um, am I misremembering this? Is there a reference in any of the Ernest stuff to Johnny
1: Cash? I don't... know. I, I don't,
2: I don't want to say anything about it, because I feel like every time I flippantly say like, oh, we never, we've never talked about Elvis before, then it just like...
0: I don't yes. think I... I find I, out how wrong right I, I am. I don't
2: remember anything him. like okay. that. Yeah. I know he talks about Elvis, obviously. He talks about Hank Williams Jr.
3: I don't
1: think he knew Elvis. I mean, yeah. he'd run into a lot of people. Sure. but <laughs> I don't think he ever met Elvis. <laughs> mm.
3: I would not be surprised, but... I don't think he ever. There's no, there's no record or, of it yeah. as, as of yet.
1: All right, what's your favorite personal memory? Or fa- you don't have to do, pick a favorite. What do you, what do you want us to know?
3: Just some of the, I mean, just the kind of a conglomeration of just his visits. Probably his Christmas Eve visits. My mom's family always would do Christmas on Christmas Eve, and my dad's then Christmas Day. Mm. And so there weren't many that visits he missed on on Christmas Eve. And I mean, it was just like a magical thing. I mean, he was just Mm -hmm. came in and he's like a one man show. And it was just, I mean, that kind of kicked off Christmas for me. But, you know, that's, it's that's a hard, you know, but it's hard to, I mean, Santa, (laughs) think about it though. I mean, you start off, you start off Christmas Eve with Jim Varney and not, not even Santa Claus can really, you know, top that. How do you top Jim Varney
2: visiting your house? I mean, Jim Barney and Santa teaming up, that seems like something that should have happened.
1: But there wasn't like a. But but did you feel that, like Jim Barney visiting the house? Did that feel like a celebrity thing or just feel like the really fun relative Mm -hmm. coming?
3: That's that's a tough thing to really kind of divide, you (laughs) know, because if he wasn't a celebrity, I think he would have still felt like a celebrity because he was. Yeah. There was just something kind of extraordinary about Jim. I mean, there just was. i seeing that. So, I mean, there just was, and so that's a very good question, though. But obviously, it was. You know, he was a famous person, and that was very. That neat. adds a, lo- a layer. It, it does. Of Sub- subconsciously, I yeah. think. Anyway, but yeah. he was just, just nuts. I mean, mean, I mean, <laughs> I, mean he, I mean. One Christmas, he's teaching me and my sister Andrea about. History of Christmas and what druids and all this stuff. I mean, it, it might as it, well be the Ottoman a Empire, it, you yeah. Put on I mean, a history lesson, right? <laughs> he's pulling out, like I said, he's pulling out stuff out of his pockets. And like I told you, the story that's in my book about you know, my dad's trying to start a fire, and like mm-hmm. Jim, you know, bends down where he's at over there, and he's like, Do you have a hair dryer around here? And they are like, Well, yeah, but what. And so we go to get it and he's got this hairdryer going and it helps to like fan the flames and we're just like that's that's his gym he's you know. Magic. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah, Didn't stuff he like bring that. over an Ernest doll? Did you is that how you met the Ernest doll?
3: I don't remember him bringing one. I'm sure he probably did.
1: Did you ever own an Ernest doll?
3: I've got an Ernest doll right now.
1: <laughs> uh, and did you get him in the 80s?
3: Yeah, we did. We got some was
1: that weird?
3: You know, at that point, I don't think it was. It was just like, <laughs> it's just, this is just. Yeah, business it's like as Oh usual. Yep, so this is happening yeah. now. This is just part of, yeah. I game.
1: mean, I, I love and treasure my Ernest doll.
3: I've got one understate in the box. So that's. Yeah.
1: How, how is he going to be loved in there? What are you doing to him?
2: <laughs> Keeping him. Well, it's again, it's when we put all these podcasts under that statue that the aliens find in the future. We have yeah, to throw that doll, the in doll, doll in there too. In the open right. room.
1: No, I had to take mine out and give him love. He just seemed like he wanted to love.
2: <laughs> it's a very Toy Story idea. Uh huh. And right. you've
1: got a slinky dog too.
2: Yes, a few
3: different. Slinky
1: dog. Yes. What else? Was he, Wait, is he doing impressions all the time? What, is it, it's like a Robin Williams situation. <laughs>
3: He wasn't he didn't get his like kind of manic, but no, he would do uh he would do this truck driver. Kind of the, that was actually one of my favorite. Is like the CB voice. I think, yeah. What, how does this? Oh my
0: God! Yeah, it's like, come on back. How your, about you? Yeah, yeah, that kind of. Voice. He
3: was the one that had like both the sides of his lips. and It's like, kind of like Bubba. Like from yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah it's kind of Bubba. like Bubba.
2: I'm trying to do it and I can't. And he would yeah. be like, I, you know,
3: you know he goes out you know, I knew Elvis or, or, or <laughs> <laughs> I knew you know, Elvis. yeah, it was like this guy. See, that was like, I told
2: oh, you.
0: I told you.
3: And I found out that truck driver guy was actually Joel. Another. Joe Lyles, he's like, it's a Tim Thomerson character.
0: Dollman.
3: Dollman? Is that yeah. <laughs> or, Did you know or that, actually whoa. the uh, Trancers? Tim Thomerson was like an up and coming comic in the seventies and was pretty popular. Wait, dude. The
2: lead of tr- of oh. Trancers was a comic?
3: A very, yes. A very good, a comedian
1: that yes. Jim Varney and he took basically a week.
3: almost like stole that character. Oh, from Tim he stole Thomerson. that
1: from Dalman.
3: What? And Wait. I can show you that. What? Yeah.
1: This is see the web of people, yes, man. It's right. Again, and I was like, like, oh my goodness. It's like comedy college buddies. Like all these yeah. comedians come up but, together at the same time, the same place. <laughs> but the Tim
3: Thomerson it's character we talked about being raised on a mayonnaise farm. <laughs> <and it's,
1: laughs> It's okay. Great.
3: I'll have to find that for you. It's
1: But Jim's is like leader. Yeah. <laughs> right? This is that...
2: Troll Fighter.
1: Come on back here about you. That kind of
2: mm-hmm, kinda yeah. <laughs> you turn the brim of your hat
3: up. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, if you're earnest yeah. and you've got a hat on already, yeah. you turn that up and you're a truck driver now.
3: But thankful to Joe Lyles <laughs> that lots of the stuff that I thought I would never knew, I found out about ninety percent of it, I think. I mean yeah, like, quite cool. a lot, and that was that was yeah,
0: you personally yeah. you know,
3: rewarding for me. And I was able to happily pass that on to yeah, Jim, and share Jim's it with fans, the fans as well. Absolutely, yeah. but they didn't realize that these were things that I've been wanting to know that I just knew pieces of for a long time. So that was very rewarding.
2: That's terrific.
1: That is awesome. Yeah. What else?
3: Um, some some of the Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> stuff sorry. was some of the Billy Bob Thornton stuff I thought was great. That like Jim, talking about Jim Varney having the Delorean up on blocks <laughs> in his front yard. I mean, that was hysterical. Yeah. Why?
1: I Wait, mean, why? I don't understand. He
3: was just getting it worked on, I guess. I mean, you know. <laughs> okay. New tires. Yeah. I mean, I don't uh, know. Oh, that's the when exact... he said,
1: never give a hillbilly money. Yeah. As if he was a hillbilly.
3: <laughs> right,
2: right, right. Hill William.
1: <laughs> yeah. I remember in your book, is like that he kind of liked people to think he was a hillbilly, even though he wasn't really. Yeah. But it adds to the mystique. It's the, it's
3: the lore again. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of that is kind of tied to the fact that. He idolized his father so much. Sure. And that was really his father was, you know, growing up I mean, he was a, a coal miner in West Virginia mm-hmm. at a young age and had all these stories from his youth and his father. And Jim kind of wanted to be like that in some ways. And I think that's what got him into hunting and so forth. Oh, and man. he kind of patterned himself in some ways after his father. And so... Kind of lived in that way to some extent.
1: Oh, that makes even sense. though he still
3: wore the silk shirts and, you know, <laughs> but he was this combination of a lot of those things. And he he definitely idolized my grandfather oh, to a large that's extent. That's
1: cool. It's yeah. really nice. I'm I'm finding hard to like closing this because like yeah. I don't want to leave anything
2: out. Well, do you, um, do you have like let me ask you this? Yeah. Because you know we've been doing this podcast again for over a year, and mm-hmm. one of our very early, I'll I'll say, uh, listener interactions was from you. Okay, uh, where oh, I right. believe at the time you were um, named uh, Jim Varney biography on Twitter. This is how we <laughs> referred to you. Okay, yeah. right, uh, right, So what what was your what was your reaction to? Oh, there are these two insane people <laughs> recording uh, at length about.
3: You no, know, uh, I
1: want to know that too. My uncle's
3: character. I thought, they were, I thought it was great. I remember seeing Aaron's name. I'm trying to think of the first time I saw her on Facebook and I'm thinking, OK, is she just some kind of like really like huge Ernest fan? And who is she? And and then I see this Ernest goes to podcast stuff on Twitter. I'm like, well, who are these people? And I didn't know it was the same hmm. person. And I'm trying to remember the how I knew like, oh, OK, this is Aaron. This is. And I I told you all, when I first heard the podcast, I was thinking, wow, this is like really impressive. This is the, these people sound like they've been doing this for a long time. And I'm thinking this is like a real legitimate, like it it was felt so legitimate and the depth that you all went into. And I was thinking, I thought I went, I went into a lot of depth and, you know, (laughs) you all really like it. And it was great because you all were questioning a lot of the things i questioned and at that point i wasn't sure if you had read the book or knew about the book and then shortly after i heard you all talking about it Mm. and then and i felt like i wanted to be a part of it in some way because i felt i just felt like i had a lot to offer that you know things that y'all had questions about i'm like well i could help with this or that or but also realized, I mean, you're all doing your own thing and doing it very well. And the way you all break down the Ernest character, a lot of times I'm like thinking, I don't know if I really have a lot to, to really add. I mean, <laughs> we've been talking about something for two hours. I'm thinking they really kind of delved as much into it as I possibly could. And, you know, but it was really nice hearing somebody that, you know, two people that really love and respected the work and, and really wanted to um, offer some great insight to people. And that was.
1: Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, I was
2: impressed. We we should say we we did not uh, coach Justin in any way.
1: (laughs) There are no uh, weapons being held to his neck.
2: (laughs) No, we appreciate that. Well, I think anybody,
3: I mean, goodness, you just listen to it for five or 10 minutes. I mean, you think, and even if you're not interested in, in Ernest or Jim Barney, you just listen to it and you're thinking, these are like professional people. This is like a professional. Production, it's like oh, so, uh, thanks. we try trying, we try, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and I thought it was it was great, and I, and I think a lot of the fans, you know, most of them have to, or all of them have to enjoy it. You know, I would think.
2: You know. Thank yeah, you. I mean, likewise. Like when we were yeah. having the exact questions that you're talking about, it was nice to have a yeah <laughs> a, a lengthy tome to be like, <laughs> right. oh, this, there's answers here, and okay. we can. You know, I still believe that one day we'll get the the scoop on your world as I see it. <laughs> yeah. But until okay, then, at least right. we have uh, we have most of oh, the other man. things, the other topics covered.
1: I mean, there's some things, man. Or- That's right are meant to to live in the shadows. You,
3: yeah, I mean, because in, yeah, in some ways, you almost don't want to know every single exactly. answer, you yeah. know. Misty. And, and in my book, I do, I try to go in, you know, to just add everything I could possibly find. And, you know, I don't consider myself exactly an expert on him and his life, but I wanted <laughs> to get close to that at some degree with my sure. book and, and to really offer as much insight into his life and career as possible and, and make it something that I think he would he would be proud of if he was still around and
0: and yeah.
3: uh, to, to do him justice. And um, uh, like I said, I took that uh, very seriously and um, because I felt like this may be the only book about his life ever and I want to do a good job.
1: Right.
2: Sounds like a familiar mission
3: statement. <laughs> it
1: does. We, we get you.
3: Yeah. Thank you.
1: We know what you
3: mean. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Sorry. Nope, do not cannot, apologize man. for that.
1: Uh, Thank you. Thank you all
3: very yeah. much.
2: Thank
3: you pleasure. for
1: letting us in the Jim Barney. The, the Jim, the Jim Barney I'm going to say Tournament. the Jim Barney
2: historical rec room <laughs> right. is how I would describe this. That's, that's a, good, it's a good name.
1: This has been episode 18, the very, very special Jim Barney edition. Thank you, Justin. Thank
3: you, Aaron. Thank you, David.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for all your uh, support for uh
1: Yeah, thank the, you.
2: The wackiness that we take on every other week or
1: so. <laughs> thank you for the, the six year effort that yes. gave oh, us. Oh yeah this.
3: Very welcome. Glad and- I could help.
2: Where can listeners find the book, uh, The Importance of Being Earnest, The Life of Actor Jim Varney?
1: Amazon, Kindle, Amazon. it's on iTunes.
3: iTunes.
1: A local bookstore?
3: If you live in Lexington, you can go to <laughs> the Joseph Beth bookstore. There you go. And it is there.
1: Yeah, get it on Amazon. I've got two copies. Cause in, the, I in, the,
3: one out. in the ebook, you can get some pictures that are in color. Oh, oh. The paperback, I could only have black and white. So sure. there are oh, okay. about maybe five pictures that you get to see in color. Nice. And Sweet. it's about half as much. The ebook's about half the price. <laughs> Save a tree. And so, right.
2: No uh, gnarled, misshapen <laughs> trees in, in the uh, Eartha Kit <laughs> forest will be cut down. Cool.
1: So next time on Ernest Goes to Podcast, stay tuned for our uh, exploration into, appropriately enough, the Ernest books.
2: The Ernest Library.
1: Ask Ernest. The Book of Knowledge. Is there more Uh, than two? I don't know.
2: We'll we'll do some digging. We'll see what (laughs) we can find.
1: Until next time.
2: Take care, listeners. Take care.
1: Viva Lavarni! Sometimes in a time of trouble,
0: when you're out of hand and your muddy bubbles roll across my floor, man.